This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to a bonus episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCirico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And uh, we want to do, for our first bonus episode, we want to do something that I think we initially done on the first episode, and then we decided to cut it, right? Yeah. We were talking a lot about quarantine, as we're still in and have been in for many, many months. And, um, you know, we're just kind of catching up with each other because now uh, we initially started quarantine in the same city and now we're across the country from each other. So we we figured we'd probably just talk about that. We wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of things that ha- I want to know, first of all. So before we get into it, we've decided that we're going to choose a handful of things that are kind of getting us through quarantine. And that can be like books, music, television, things, apps, whatever it is. Um, but before we get into that, I want to ask Danielle, because this is truly fascinating to me. I want to know what was the last movie you remember seeing maybe in a movie theater before the pandemic? Oh, that's so, that is tough. I remember the last thing I did publicly before I went oh, into what quarantine. Oh, what was it? What was it? I went out, uh, my friend Jessica Hopper was in town from Chicago and we went out for dinner at Little Pine. And um, it's kind of, it's it's Moby's restaurant. Some If you don't live in LA, like maybe you've heard of it, but um, Moby has a restaurant and it's vegan and it's delicious. And um, he was, what's funny to you about that night is that not only was I seeing a friend from out of town, so air travel is like not happening in my world right now. So I'm like, just the, the simplicity of someone flying in is just gone. But Moby was there and I never, ever see him there. And he now has like a bunch of like a constellation of little tattoos all over his face. What? Like Post Malone? Like, yeah. like on his face. On his face. So I'm like, homeboy is like going through it or. Yeah. It was jarring That's, though. That was like really. That was. It. But I wonder if like that was that was its own special outing. Like its own. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, like to so basically, do you remember the day that you went into quarantine? Do you like remember that moment? Because I do, I, but I don't because I quarantined like three weeks before everyone else did. <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, wait, like on purpose, you you just had the foresight, right? Completely. Well, what what happened was like in so in February, my my aunt was dying of breast cancer. She lives um, she lived in Northern California and I had just flown a couple of my family members out, like my mom and my brother to kind of go see her. She was in hospice. And then I went to see her and it was genuinely like I was basically with her. She died the night 
after I left. I spent the whole day with her, like holding her hand, but she was in a hospice and nobody was wearing masks. Nobody was freaked out. It was just kind of like, oh, this thing's out there that's kind of like the flu. And it was like, it was like the end, end of Benjamin Button when like all of a sudden the water swells in the hospital and the clock yeah. starts floating away. And I'm like, this is the moment before yeah. the shit got real. But yeah, I remember being, I remember being freaked out to get on the plane and wondering like, you know, I couldn't buy masks at that point. CVS was like, oh no, we're giving all of our masks to the hospitals and, and our masks are manufactured in China. So <laughs> good luck. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just wrapping a scarf around my face and hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. So that flight, I remember being really fraught and I was up and back the same day, but that was the last time I walked through an airport. It was the last time I went somewhere wow. and, and that was the reason. And so she died at the end the very end of February. Um, and then I basically like a week later, I think my job was like, oh, we're like, this is serious. It wasn't an official quarantine yet, but my boss was basically like, we're, we're in quarantine. Like you guys can stay home. There's no need to come in for this while we figure mm -hmm. out how to readjust. So I was home like two to three weeks before everyone else was. So it was wow. easily the end of February is the last time. I was free. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I guess it wasn't too much longer for me then. Yeah. What was I, your first day? Like mine. Well, I remember. Okay. I remember this because it was the week my sister of my sister's birthday. So it was like the second week of March. And it was the thing where the, that Monday, the ninth, I think it was, that's my sister's birthday. That's my very good friend, Heather's birthday. And I remember she was like, Hey, we're getting together some people. And, um, I think I had plans and I couldn't go or something. And then it was literally by that Thursday that I had quarantined. Like Thursday was the official first day for me because the, the day before I had the day off from work. And so the, it was that crazy thing where, I was leaving on Tuesday from work and I remember talking to my boss or something or talking to my coworker and he was just, my boss was like, you know, this is like going to be a serious thing. And I'm like, really? I don't get that sense. I don't really know what I think about it right now. And then uh, I just was like, all right, bye. You know, and then I'm like driving away and like, I had like my Tupperware stuff, like still on my my desk. I was like, I hadn't thought about a damn thing. I did not grab anything I needed. I think I had like a, a half drank like tea and a mug and I, you I never came. I had plants. And then it was, it was like, I left on that Tuesday and I, I never came back. Like we never came back to the office and I will never forget that. Cause it was literally like, Oh yeah, that Tuesday was the last day that I was, you know, kind of like at work in the yeah. in the physical realm but the craziest thing is the reason why I ask you about the film is because I know that going to the movies is like a thing that we do so much together yeah. and and the funny thing is is that I re I definitely remember the last movie I saw before quarantine and it is shocking and I <gasps> wish it was something different okay <laughs> I I'm I'm looking at my Fandango app so I know what my last movie was now Ooh, too tell me tell me tell me but I want to hear this story oh my god or, or do I'm you want to hear do you want to hear my lame movie first and then you can hear your movie? I guarantee you mine's lamer. Mine was actually good. <laughs> okay, good. I'm just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so now, like, the memory is clear, too, because, like, one of my things, I've never been afraid to go to the movies alone. It's been, like, a great joy in my life. Yeah. And um, going to the movies in the middle of the day is such a treat. It's like going on vacation for oh a couple God, it's hours. Like essential to well-being right completely so i remember this i went 
to the Arclight. Yes. And I saw one of the, I think this is the week it was going out of the theaters, but I saw one of the last showings of Pain and Glory. Oh, see, that's a good one. I know. It was so good. And I remember I was in that theater with like two other people. Yeah. And you get to pick your seats beforehand. And then you get to watch like hot ass Antonio Banderas being like all <sighs> old and in pain. Oh, God, it was it was such a good movie, but it was such a good day. Like just Ugh. to kind of have that time in the middle of my day. I came out of the theater at like 530 and people were starting to roll in after work and they were meeting at that little Arclight bar. And oh. I think one of the last times do you remember this happens to us frequently and you always like you always look like an embarrassed kid and it cracks me up. <laughs> We kind of see famous people almost every time we go. Elma, yeah, pretty and much. De- depending on who it is, like, I'll say hi. But we saw Henry Thomas sitting at the bar at the park, <laughs> like, one of the last <laughs> times we went to the movies. That is killer. And I was just like, I'm like, you're really great. And just walked away. Like, you don't have to do more. You don't have to hang out. You don't have to talk to him. They don't want to have a conversation. And I was just like, you're great. And he was like, oh, thanks. And then I just we went into our movie. See, that pisses me off. It pisses me <laughs> off because I... <laughs> I've always had a crush on Henry Thomas. Always. I even watched this like um, romantic comedy that I was in from like the late 90s, early 2000s. And I, I, I had a crush on him when he when I, we were both the same around the same age. Right. And then, you know, had an adult crush on him, too. And it makes me upset because <laughs> you not only went and saw like the great Amaldivar. And his new film, but you also saw this this childhood crush of mine, and that is if for whatever reason something happens and and reality disappears and like we don't ever go to the movies again, that is like such an amazing last. I mean, I don't wish that, but I'm just saying that is such a good moment. It, I would if if I was going out if I'm going out this way on my my movie watching That's career right. in public that was a good one to go out on. Do you remember when we went and saw Ad Astra and I saw that actor in line getting popcorn and he's like he was on Justified and he's like you would know his face if you saw him. Yeah, we just had this whole conversation and his wife and you were just kind of standing there like are these motherfuckers ever going to shut up? <laughs> like they don't even know each other. <laughs> but honestly, like you like I I I don't do it simply because. I am a pussy. Like I'm scared <laughs> of being rejected. I'm scared of having famous people like think I'm annoying. Uh, and I just can't deal with the, the reality of being shunned by like Aww. a member of the justified cast. I just couldn't do it, but you I have love the bravery. Show. So, you know, and it, and it pays <laughs> off because you have like meaningful interactions with people. So it's like, you well, know, I also like I have one of those faces, like I have freckles, even though I'm six feet tall, but I have freckles and like, you know, am I usually wearing a head wrap? That's really colorful. Like I look like a cartoon character basically. So people don't get like a crazy vibe for me, I think. And Usually when I approach them, it's not to like blather on or be like, oh, my God, you were like, you know, not to do the Chris Farley thing um, <laughs> from that talk show he used to do on SNL. Yeah, oh God, so, so, so I'm just like, you know, I talk to everyone like the same and I'm like, oh, hey, I know what you do for your job. You're great at what you do. And yeah, if they like, want to keep talking, awesome. If not, I'm happy. I'm walking away. And if they're dicks, at least now I know you're a dick. It's like when we went to we went to like Jones on Third, which is this like, you know, kind of uppity brunch place in L.A. And we saw like Daniel Kaluuya standing or he was sitting next to us at this communal table. And I am shitting like I'm just like can't even like look at him because he's like not only so hot, but he's got like a British accent. And I was like completely paralyzed. I just could not. 
handle and we were sitting like literally like right next to them right next to him at the same table like and using was the same napkins and shit same salt shaker man but he was also yeah. with that actress who she's on the third season of Broadchurch, but she's a very well-known dramatic british actress and so i recognize both of them i cried because i was completely starstruck and unable to process emotions but like you <laughs> danielle's like rolling with that shit she's basically like hey guys what's up yeah i know both your work i you know want to have an adult conversation with you and they were like super nice and he was super smiley and like really sweet and i'm just like i can't <laughs> believe that that just happened like <laughs> ever real that was truly a joy to see is that you got to communicate with Aww. the both of them so well, I'm thrilled. And that and that was my last movie. Just Pain and Glory, Henry Thomas, <sighs> and The Arclight, which is just one of my favorite my favorite theater experiences here. Like, that's yeah. the one thing that L.A. definitely has going for it. There are a lot of good theaters. But Arclight has good popcorn, good snacks, comfortable yeah. seats. Jealous. All of those points are fine. Tell me yours. Now I'm dying to know. I'm oh, my God. Because you, you, you're the type of person, like, you go to the New Beverly at, like, 11 o'clock on a Saturday to see a movie. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I mean, dying to know. <laughs> yeah. So I got to set this up properly because it's like pretty much I've had the almost complete opposite experience that you you're just <laughs> talking about. Whereas like every point is terrible. Like every <laughs> every moment was not great, except for the company. And maybe I'll just say that. So like, okay, my best friend April Richardson was in town. I used to do a podcast with her. She's a comedian. You probably know who she is if you're listening. If you listen to Exactly Right, you, you probably do. She was just happened to be in LA for like a week. She was basically like, as she has done since we've known each other. I was I've known her since we were 14. And I I'm always in this this predicament with people, which is that I'm like, they asked me to do some like uh, insane thing. And I'm like, well, I guess I gotta go do that. <laughs> and then I like get myself into a mess. So she asked me if I would go see cats the new one the new Girl. cats okay so there's that point which again i know you guys are just getting to know me some of you but you gotta know something about me which is that i don't know anything about musicals and i especially don't know anything about andrew lloyd weber the work of andrew lloyd weber um dare i say i'm like I typically avoid that kind of stuff when it comes down to it. I, I, I've never seen cats. I've never, I, I haven't seen a lot of musical theater, which, you know, I get it. It's for like some people I know are truly, truly big fans and love it. I'm probably on the other side, but I'm open. I'm open to experiences. So I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to hate this. Because not only is it something that I don't know about, but it was also like the new version, which even people who are fans of Cats said sucked ass. So I'm kind of like, all right. On top of that, we decided to go to a rowdy screening, which was happening at the Alamo Draft House, that the new Alamo Draft House that's in downtown LA, which, okay, I have a lot of thoughts about stuff like this. Now, <laughs> so I, what, what is a rowdy screening because i've never okay. been to one a rowdy screening and this this is they they at the draft house call it a rowdy screening now this has probably this is just basically like any kind of film screening that allows the viewer to like talk and laugh and like participate so it's kind of like oh 
Rocky like the- horrification of watch of the movie experience, which I am not a fan of. Well, also, it's kind of like it's just the black version of the movie experience. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not sitting there stone face in films either, mind you. Like, we've gone to see movies like the John Wick trilogy and have had a wonderful time laughing and being ourselves. But I also don't like the whole, like, prescripted, hey, everybody, once this happens, everybody throw a fork. So... We go to a rowdy screening, which is basically like the draft house is instructing you, like, by the way, it is going to get crazy in here. So you're going to laugh and you're going to like, you know, whoop, whoop. The thing about this rowdy screening is that you just kind of knew what you were in for. And it was I was super apprehensive about it. But it was literally the only screening that fit in both of our schedules and And then, of course, I begrudgingly went because I was like, we're going to spend $30 and have a bad time. I don't know why we're doing this. And anyway, so we go to the rowdy screening and there was a moment where they passed out bubbles. Okay, now this is we went to this movie on like March 4th. So the pandemic was already announced. Everybody knew what the pandemic was. Like, here, here's a a better super spreader (laughs) event. Let's turn this rowdy viewing into a super spreader event, but with bubbles. Just take it over the top. Yes. I remember sitting in the movie theater going, should we all be blowing bubbles at each other in a movie theater that are like covered in our saliva and we're in the front row, which is even worse. That was the other the other point of the screening was that we were in the fucking front row, which is like the worst place to see a movie. So it was like, again, all points were terrible in this experience. And that movie in and of itself, like I had never seen Cats. I never saw the play, the original play. So I had no idea what was going on. And then the fact that I we were watching like a storied production, terrible version of it which they had to re-edit at the last minute. Does everybody remember that? Like when mm-hmm. when they were like re-editing the movie, like the day it was coming out or something. They were I like mean, chopping up green screen and... Yeah, sounded... sounded <laughs> get, get Judy Dench out of her vacation home. We have to cut this again. Yeah, like we have to film this entire movie again because it sucks so bad. Now, I, I'm sitting there going like, having a bad time... Because I'm like, I'm having a bad theater experience of being in the front row, not understanding what the fuck is going on. I am hating pretty much everything that's going on. And then there's these bubbles that are like raining down on all of us. And I was literally like, you know what would be amazing if these bubble vials that they just like handed out to us were actually poison and we all drank them together like fucking Jonestown style because I would not. I do not want to be here. And that was literally the last movie I saw in the movie theater pre-COVID. Because then the next week, and I will tell you this, like, you know how everybody thought they had COVID at one point, like at the very, the first week of the pandemic, like when everybody was at home, everyone's like, shit, I got this shit. Like (laughs) I'm coughing. I can't breathe. Like there's some crazy shit. I can't smell all my fancy candles. Like what's going on? I truly thought I had it. I was like, oh, I I had it. These fucking cat's bubbles. (laughs) Have given me COVID. Of all the ways to get it, I would, I would, I'm not even a litigious person. I would sue. 
They'd be like, you, yes. you exacerbated this by handing out the bubbles. Yeah. And it's it's like and it feels like just the stain on my record where I'm like, <laughs> fuck. Like, fuck, this was the last movie I saw. And then, like, you know, now that movie theaters are closing down left and right, I'm like, is this really gonna be the last movie I saw in the movie theater? I no, we gotta get you to a drive-in or something. Well, oh, that is brutal. I'm so sorry. Well, listen, I'm so glad that you had a great experience to cancel <laughs> out my shitty one. Where you saw famous people and you went to an incredible you went to see cinema. Let's just get real. And and it was, I, oh, it was such a good movie. It was such a good movie. Yeah. We'll have to talk about it on an episode. It was so good. Oh, yeah. We like, gotta we gotta get into that. We've obviously have been in quarantine for a while, like yeah. seven, eight months, right? Mm-hmm. And I now I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, I feel like there was like an early quarantine and like a mid, maybe we're still in the mid quarantine. The early quarantine was great for me, not going to lie. I think we've talked about that where you're just like, wow, all this time off. And I mean holy shit, I can like do all these projects that I want to do and blah, blah, blah. And now the the shine is left and now yeah. we're just like, it's a grind, right? Definitely the grind and not the Eric Nice version. No <laughs> one's dancing their way through this shirtless. <laughs> or maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe that's no. how you're getting through. <laughs> and then I've made a location change, with, which, like I said, has now like broken it up a lot more for me because there was the first five months or so where I was alone in LA and then now I'm with my family and that has a whole different vibe as you can imagine from going from being completely alone to like being with my parents and you know now I have like two little nephews around and my sister and her husband so it's kind of like it's a different vibe but uh I was gonna ask you so we were talking about when we started like what are some things that are kind of just like getting you through stuff that is just kind of keeping your spirits high or whatever. I mean, anything that is helping you kind of move through this weird shit. I would love to hear it. Yeah, I've got, I mean, you know about a couple of them. Um, one of them is that like I, I moved into the, this apartment in December. So right before pandemic stuff and it was winter and winter in LA is mostly just rain. But when the pandemic hit, I was like, all right, we're going to be in this for a while. I just, I knew like, we're going to, like, I looked in America, we're going to be doing this for a while. Yeah. And I think one of the best and smartest things I did, um, I talked with my neighbor, we live in, I live in a duplex and we have a little private enclosed yard and a little kind of like private area. There was an old couch out there and some kind of older furniture. And I just asked my landlord, like, Hey, would you come pick this up? Because I'm going to buy some new furniture. And I completely tricked that place out. So it was like having its own, it was like having a new room. It was like outdoor space in a safe way that I felt comfortable about. I could have people over and safely socially distance. That is one of the best things I've ever done. I bought like two lounge chairs, a couch and a couple of chairs and a little coffee table. And it was the best thing I could. And like a couple of umbrellas. And it was just so nice. I got to tell you, I got to take advantage of that a few times before I left. And you are absolutely right. <laughs> and 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 on top of that, knowing that, you know, li- most of the time, like living in LA, if you live in an apartment, you have like no outdoor space. Yeah. And so the fact that you were able to have your own place that was beautiful and you made it your own is so, oh God, it's so great. It was a good move because it was just 100% just like 
okay, I'm not going as stir crazy as I was prone to getting. Because yeah. and honestly, I, I, I've never felt, I think this approach to quarantine for me has been kind of different for most people because I was a freelancer for years. And then before that I was in college and I was in grad school. I've I'm so accustomed to working from home. It's actually weird for me when I have to go out, when I get like a TV writing job and I have to go out and work in an office and like have a schedule because I'm used to working from home. Like I write books and all kinds of stuff. So that adjustment wasn't hard for me. And the fact that I just moved into a new place was even better because my new place had a washer and dryer. So I didn't have to go to the laundromat anymore. Girl, which oh would, I would have been the most disgusting person in the city if I still had to go to the laundromat. Oh, I mean, it, like I said, your place is goddamn beautiful inside and out and I, it because oh. that is the thing that i think now is coming to you to full focus is where you live and how you live is very important in this completely because- and i had like a breakdown before i got this i mean you know like I, I, yeah. I saw this apartment and it was like such sticker shock that I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I talked about it in therapy for like three weeks, basically. That was yeah. my whole therapy session. I'm like, let's put my shitty family aside for a, mo- for a moment. Do I deserve this apartment? And my therapist just broke it down. And she's like, where you live is the most important place that you're going to put your money right now. Yeah. And they're absolutely right. It is. That's why people are leaving places and going other places. It can be tough for I sure. Mean, I- I still break my own heart. Like every once in a while, I'll look at Zillow um, and look at houses that are for sale in my hometown. And it just, it's a heartbreaker. Cause I'm like, yeah. man, like this mortgage is so doable. And this house has so much space. And it'd be, you know, my grandma, I could see my grandma again. I haven't seen her in like all year. And yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's, you yeah. know, that desire for a change of space, I think is a valid one. Yeah. No kidding. Well, that's good. I'm glad you were able to do that for yourself. That's amazing. For me, for me, I think like yeah, one of the things it's so we both talked about this because I think that like, well, let's just get serious. Everybody got into cooking when the pandemic happened, right? Because out of necessity, everyone had to start cooking for themselves. And it kind of became a joke. Everybody was like, everybody's making sourdough and shit. And I was like, I'm not making sourdough because I don't know how to make bread and like <laughs> It seems complicated, but if you want to make me sourdough, please, by all means, bring it, bring it to my house. Knock yourself so, out. I was not hating on people making sourdough, by the way. But, you know, for me, you know, obviously being a single woman, I've been cooking for myself for a long time, but I really like fine tuned it in quarantine. And part of that was that I downloaded the New York Times cooking app oh. and that shit was a game changer. Like truly, truly. And the fact that you can like look up by ingredient changed the game for me. That you is know? killer. And I completely agree. Yeah. Like if you have a craving, you can just look up like I'm craving this. And then they're like, here's 15 recipes you could do in 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was like for me, you know, I, 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 got, I ended up getting a CSA and I was like, again, you, we had that. There's that moment where you're like, what do I do with a rutabaga? Or like, what do I do with like this and that and i would just like go into the new york times cooking app and be like heirloom carrots boom some shit that tastes delicious and i did it myself and it was great like i mean i still have it i got my mom now i'm getting my mom to use it because we're living together um so we're both kind of like cooking for each other and i just to me i mean i know that that's like 
probably everybody has this app already, but for me, I was like, holy shit, an app that teaches you how to cook. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that because I, I don't think everybody has it. I think that's why some people really panic and they're like, so used to that culture of subservience where people are bringing things to them <laughs> because they don't know how to do too many things. <laughs> yeah, it's such an easy thing. I mean, you pay five bucks a month. You don't have to subscribe to the paper if you don't want to. I think if you do get the paper, it comes with it or the digital. If you have digital access to the New York Times, I think you get it. But I just pay for it on its own. And it's incredible. Like completely. Totally great. So that that's one for me for sure. Oh. I love it. Well, another thing that I think um, this this pandemic, this time in quarantine has done for me is it kind of it made me take a really like kind of an intense inventory of my life and my body and all the things that I've just been so uncomfortable with or that I didn't really like about myself. And, you know, I, I've always felt I've I have always felt bad about feeling bad about my body because now we're in this moment of like body positivity and, you know, all this stuff where people are like really approaching this in a, a different and healthier way. But I still have like 40 years of what was ingrained before that. Like, I'm sorry, but I do still feel bad about my body sometimes. It's not always com- in a comparative way, but it is just like, you know, my my own personal wishes for what I wish I felt like, not even what I look like, but what I felt like. So I really, I kind of took, I kind of took the bull by the horns in a couple of different ways that have made quarantine incredible. One is that I got braces. Yes. And I've been talking about it with my, my dentist for a while, for about a year, and was just kind of always like, well, there's not ever really going to be a good time to do it. And, you know, Invisalign seems like a lot of work and blah. So when the orthodontist or office opened up again, I made an appointment for a consultation and I left that consultation with my top braces on. Like, <laughs> and you got the metal can... kind, the 1987 the metal. metal kind. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I was like, all right, like we're going to, I'm going to do this. I'm, I haven't smiled with my whole mouth in like a, over a decade. Yeah. And we're just going to do this. And so, yeah, I really just went and talked out my options. And I'm like, you know, sticking my hand in my mouth multiple times a day does not feel like the move right now. So I think this aligns out. It's yeah. just out. I wanted the experience. Like I wanted the metal braces. And that's what yeah. I got. I got top and bottom braces. Well, how are you feeling about them right now, though? Are you still loving them? I love it. It's kind of, it's a cool experience. Like it's like a cool science experiment happening in my mouth. Like I got a spacer. One of my bot, my bottom teeth are really the most crooked ones. Like they're the ones that look like the, the 18th century graveyard, but my, <laughs> <laughs> I've like, like one tooth in particular, that's like just kind of pushed back a lot. What's cool is they, they, every time I go now, like every six weeks I go for my, my, up, my appointments and they change the wires out. But last time they put a spacer in, and he, he huh. like he explained everything. My orthodontist explained everything. He's like, we're going to put a spacer in to like start making room for that tooth in the back. And I can see it happening, like not day by day. But yeah. if I look at my like when I'm brushing my teeth or I'll look like once in a while and be like, oh, my God, like there's more space happening. So they're going to like the next appointment, they're going to like start putting the brackets on to bring that tooth forward. It's amazing. That was just they had to take out two one tooth on either side to make room because there's like oh, so much crowding. Okay. So that's, that's what was what happening. Was. And Millie drove me to that appointment. <laughs> He drove me to that appointment because she's my emergency contact and my friend <laughs> and is lovely that way. I'm honored. And just it was coming out of that anesthesia was so funny. Oh, girl, I was like, I don't want to film it because I just feel like it's a <laughs> violation of your like 
Isn't that like a HIPAA thing? I don't know if it is or not, but I was like, I want to so badly because you were tripping balls, <laughs> needless <laughs> to say. <laughs> I remember laughing so hard and you were just so nice to like drive me and make sure I was when we got home, like to make sure that I was like in my apartment and I had everything I needed. It was it was great. But yeah, wow. I got those teeth out and then I got these braces on and it's made me feel better. Like it made me feel like I'm taking action for something that. I've always thought I wouldn't be able to do. I'm like, it's going to yeah. be too expensive. It's like, you know, it's cost prohibitive. The timing isn't ever right. But I'm like, all right, I'm in my house forever now, or at least, at least for the foreseeable future. I'm not making out with anybody. <laughs> like, I might as well get Which is a sh- Which is up. a shame because you are cute as button with those braces. I got to tell Aww. you. Tell my crush. Uh- <laughs> 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 and then the other thing I did, which which is, you know, again... I know a lot of people probably won't like this or, but you know, fuck it. It's what happened. I tried whole 30 and mm-hmm. I did the whole 30, which is basically like, um, it's a very restrictive diet where you take out dairy and beans and bread and every, like, it's basically just like a meat and vegetable diet. And the whole point is to like reset your system. Like you're not eating sugar, you're not eating anything. And that more than anything helped me realize how I was eating. Cause even though I, I like to cook, I'm like, I've never been aware of portion size. So the portion size for me is whatever packet something comes in mm-hmm. or whatever amount of food I make. Like that's the serving. Cause I'm by myself. <laughs> so right. it was re- kind of revolutionary to realize that I could feel differently inside my body. And that made me feel better without even losing weight. Yeah. And that was great. So the kind of not being on, not being on sugar was hard. That's my, my, my downfall. Um, but what was weird is that they, they tell you, you can have coffee, but you're not allowed to put anything in it. Like, yeah, you can have black coffee. And I'm like, what's the point of living? What is, oh my God. So like totally. So I did the whole 30 once. It was when I first moved to LA and I was like, I couldn't, I, I didn't even matter if I was never going to be able to eat bread or pasta again. The struggle of not having half and half in my coffee was keeping me up at night. Like I was like, I can't do this. Fuck this shit. I don't know how I, how I made it through, but I, I did. You and did it's, it. It's insane. And we both did it. And I was shocked because I just cut coffee out. I'm like, well, if I can't See, have it the way I want yeah. it, I'm not having it. It's not worth it for me to have black coffee. Yeah. Karen Kilgariff will tell you different. She's like, a once you go black coffee, it's like <laughs> a revelation. I can't it's, go there. Remember I when we were all, it. we went, we were all out to dinner and, and she was like ordering black coffee and I was like, God, I wish I could get on your level. I just can't I do it. It seems like such a like, baller move to be like, this is how I like it, just how it is. But it's yeah. so acidic and harsh and i don't know i just I, I can't get there i want to i can't so i just I'd cut it out to, i would love to yeah i i didn't cut it out i ended up going on amazon and ordering these things called nut pods which were basically like nut juice flavored with some kind of french vanilla thing that was whole 30 compliance somehow i don't know how that happened girl you were trying to get me on that nut pod train and i took one <laughs> look and i was like i can't do it <laughs> I know. I was like, yo, your mileage may vary with this shit because it's not it's not great. And I kind of got into it after a while. Like, and I think it's just because I was so fucking desperate. But I was like, once that whole 30 was over, I was like, goodbye, nut pods. I, I can't do it. I can't. You you served me well. So but I can't do this anymore. 
at all. And I, I went back and I, but I will say that I now drink my coffee with just cream. I used to do cream and sugar and I, now I don't do sugar. So that's the only thing that I did from whole 30. That is the best. And I, I'm, I mean, look, I'm back on coffee. Yeah. I'm back on a lot of things. I'm having cheese. I'm not eating as much sugar, which is again, huge to me. It's huge. Yeah. And, you know, and also it made me realize how much coffee I was drinking. So I'm drinking far less. I have like one cup in the morning and maybe another half cup after that. But my sleep was revolutionized. But that's a oh, whole sure. like sleeping is the other thing I've done in quarantine that has. So we'll we'll, we'll come to that after we ask for your next your oh. next item. <laughs> your quarantine well, my my next my next quarantine item is not quite as essential as sleep, but it is truly an obsession. It is 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Which is a tele- a television show that airs on the TLC network. When I tell you that I am all in, I am all in on 90 Day Fiance. Okay. Oh, you watch like all the satellite shows, everything. Yes, ma'am. Here's the thing about 90 Day Fiance. So you have the original recipe, 90 Day Fiance, which the premise of this reality show is that it is a group of individuals who have basically been in a relationship with a person that lives outside of the United States and they want to bring that person to the United States to marry them. And so that person has to fill out a K, what they call a K-1 visa, which is basically like a spousal visa for somebody that's outside of the U.S. So what happens is, is that they had to go through this process. It can take years. I mean, I've heard some horror stories. Um, I know my friend April went through like the opposite K-1 visa process when she moved to England and it took forever and it was crazy. So once they get here, the show starts because once they arrive in the United States, they have 90 days to marry or else they have to go back to their home country. So that's the show. And the show has been on for a while. And it's basically like the premise is like, oh, yeah, well, now my Internet girlfriend from, you know, the Ukraine is here in America. And now I have to decide if I we've made the right decision. We have 90 days to do that. Right. So that's the drama of the show. <laughs> so there's that original recipe. Then now they've got all these like spinoff shows. So they've got a show called Before the 90 Days, which is basically like essentially before they fill out the K-1. So it's kind of like the process of I'm just meeting my internet boyfriend for the first time. And that is kind of what it is. It's very interesting. And of course, I'm all in. So I watch it all. (laughs) Then you have Happily Ever After, which is basically like, let's catch up with former 90 Day Fiance couples and see what they're doing if they're still married, if they're still whatever. Then you have 90 Day Fiance the other way, which is basically the American goes to the other person's country. And of course, it's like a fish out of water. I'm American. I don't know anything. I mean, it's insane. I dare I say that's the craziest out of all of these spinoffs is the other way. It's it's truly bonkers. I have seen, see, I'm on board with original recipe 90 Day Fiance, but I think part of the reason I fell off the 90 Day Fiance viewing is because there are so many other shows now that I'm not watching that I don't understand some of the stories. Like they come in on the 90 Day Fiance, but they've already had this couple on before the 90 Days and there's like a whole story that I'm not even aware of and I can't catch up. 
dare I say it's gotten too complicated and I love it. I love it all. I watch it all. But I'm also like, whenever I try to explain it to anyone, they're like, now what is this one? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like they were on the show and now they're just like riffing on watching the show. So, cause there's this one, sh- there's one show called 90 day fiance pillow talk where they have old couples come on and essentially do like an, Mystery Science Theater 3000 of no. like an episode. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm on that train. I'm on. I mean, it's they now have an up. They have a show that just started, which is basically where they have the 90 day fiance people read their own social media, their negative social media about themselves while watching themselves. It is like so meta. And I'm just like. Put it into my veins. I just need it all the time. I don't give a shit. How you chop and screw it, it doesn't matter. I got it. Like, I need it. These remixes are over the top. It's insane. And I won't... I will not tell you how deep that I have gotten, but I will tell you I've uncovered a layer of the internet that is, like, obsessed with 90 day fiance and it's like all happening usually on like Instagram. It's like a lot of people are making like fan art (gasps) of 90 day fiance. People are doing like their own gossip blogs about the couples and like, is there conspiracy theories or like conspiracy theories? So a lot of the 90 day fiance, um, people are now like on OnlyFans. Do you know what OnlyFans is? Oh, okay. I loosely <laughs> know what it is. I think it's a naked site for young people. Yeah, I like mean, as, I, as your resident aunt prude here, I feel yes. like that is what it's about. Like, are you all you like me? Maybe you'll pay more to see me in my underwear. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and um, these ninety day fiance people now have them, and so now there's like Instagram accounts where it's people like giving you like up to the minute info about their OnlyFans. I mean, it is so deep dude it's like a it's i'm calling it the 90 day fiance cinematic universe it is like a fucking cinematic universe all the different characters have their own spin-off shows and then they're you know in different worlds and then there's like a jam like when they do the like three-part finales and it's just it gets real crazy so this is so intense see this is why i went off real housewives for a while too because i'm like there's so many franchises i can't keep up i don't know what's happening yeah I to me uh, the only thing I'll say about in my defense for loving this trash television so much is that if you so both of my parents are immigrants and so if you have like immigration in your life in any way you will find it fascinating at least for me because it is like there's a lot of stuff that comes up where you're kind of like does the person really want to be in a, a marriage with this person are they coming for a green card how hard is it to like be in another country with somebody and being apart from somebody. And so it's kind of like for me, I, immigration is so close to my my life that I think it's fascinating. But And it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. But it's also like trashy as hell. And I get that. But um, it's too late. I mean, it's like you need something during quarantine. This and, sounds like a lovely way to spend time with people and kind of feel like you're in a relationship in a, not <laughs> romantic, but like you're in, you're having like things to talk about. I'm and having like, many dysfunctional relationships completely. That, could, that could be catfishes. So <laughs> I 
Oh God, I love this so much that you're so into this universe because I knew about some of it. I didn't know about all of it. This is a revelation and I'm glad that you have this in your life. I, there, It makes me, some of those episodes or seasons, I should say, make me so angry. Like, I think I stopped watching the last season. I don't think this, this is probably a spoiler, but probably isn't because you've either watched it or you've either watched it and you already know this or you've never watched it and you never will. But there was this episode, there was a season, a couple on one of the seasons where he went to Russia I want to yes. say. And she was pregnant and they met like basically yep. like spring break in Daytona <laughs> and got pregnant <laughs> like yeah. the first time they had sex. He goes to Russia and is like promises, promises, promises. I've got your this. I've got your that. Like I put all this stuff ready to go for you. And then come to find out after she gives birth, he's like, maybe I'll just take the kid with me to Florida and you can come later. And she was like, what? And it turns out that he never submitted her paperwork. Yes. And I was so mad. Yes. <laughs> I was so, like, this has to be a crime on many levels. Yes. And it, I mean, I will give a further spoiler alert. They're not together anymore, as you Shock. can imagine, because of that, that shoddy um, responsibility shit. But yeah, it's that. That is what it is mostly. It's it's just sort of like it's such a fraught process and it, it it's like people are literally changing their lives for other people and then there's the question of like is this should they should they change their lives this drastically? Is it worth leaving whatever country that you're in to go to another country? Is it that you have this idea of what you think it's going to be and it's not and like you're watching someone's entire perception just get destroyed demolished (laughs) and also just people that have no infrastructure to have children or relationships or anything it's like so crazy and there was also a couple and this truly it should not have made me laugh because it is dire straits in that house but in that apartment there was a woman who came to the States to be with this dude. And her whole thing was like, I want you to lavish me with gifts and make me know I'm loved and take me to fancy places and buy me expensive clothes. And he was like, yep, 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 yep. They had met for one day. Like he hopped off of a cruise ship, met this woman, oh, yeah, came I know back. Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and now she's going to marry him. And he, when he took her shopping for the first time and he took her to a thrift store, I thought she was going to fall through the earth. And every, <laughs> and then the, but that was hilarious in its own right. But then the best part, he has a child. He's like a five year old who he shares a bed with. So when she shows up, he was like, we'll get in bed. It's time to go to bed. And she's like, with you and the kid, he had made no provisions. For like yes. <laughs> sleeping in the bed with this woman and his child. Yeah. Oh it's it's like it's a it's like every moment is a surprise motherfucker. Like it is that <laughs> over and over again. And you know what? Like I, I I'm sorry, I can't travel right now, but damn, do I want to see people like have an awkward just got off the plane hug yes i don't know anybody in this place i don't know <laughs> is this guy gonna feed me i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> Am I- oh, we, we can have a whole bonus episode about 90 day fiance oh alone. my god if but it, there listen, is something there's yeah, something if, there if you're if like the people are amenable if you if you listeners are amenable to hearing about this cra- crazy shit i'll be happy to talk about it Forever and ever and ever. Just let Just me know. In terms of a quarantine thing, that is 
one of the greatest things that's happened to me is falling down the rabbit hole. I love that you uncovered a layer of like more obsession. It's dark. I mean, they talk about 4chan being dark. The 90 day fiance hive (laughs) is fucking dark. Y'all like it's bad. So, well, my my version of that is that I have started getting a ton of sleep and that's my obsession. Now. Oh, good. <laughs> I've always been terrible at sleeping. I've had insomnia since I was a little kid and it's just always been the bane of my existence. And part of it is that I used to get a lot done at night. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night or just stay up. I'd still be awake. And it was like the only time in my house that was quiet. Yeah. I just felt like this is my time to like sew or create or do things and like i carried that with me into adulthood and i've been terrible at sleeping and it has ruined my life and my brain and and it just has not been good for me so i decided all right again in quarantine gonna be here for a while i got a new mattress Ooh! first night i slept for 12 hours first night killer i would kill for that right now <laughs> and i was like, so what is half? like i got in and it was just like holy shit this is revolutionary so that was great and then i cha- i changed my bedtime and i started going to bed earlier and earlier mm-hmm. my general schedule when left to my own devices i like to go to bed around 10 or 11 wake up around six or seven and then just kind of you know, start my day a couple, have a couple hours to myself before the day really kicks in. I have started going to bed and I know it's, you're going to laugh at me because everyone does. I go to bed at eight o'clock. Girl, I live in Florida. That is the time <laughs> to go to bed. Like Eight o'clock. It is shocking to people though. I will say that. Like there are people that are like eight o'clock is insane. Yeah, but, but it's like, what else are we doing? It's not like I'm exactly. missing going out to anything. It's not like I'm like, I could be on the phone with people talk. Like, I'm not missing anything. All That's I'm right. missing is being up on my phone, playing games and doom scrolling. And I yeah. don't want to do either of those things. So I took all yeah. the games off my phone. I have one crossword puzzle game and one like word game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, oh, well, this is keeping the Alzheimer's at bay. So these are fine. <laughs> but I took all other games yeah. off my phone. Yeah. And I just put my phone in another room. I get in bed either with a book or like with one of my favorite oldie like British TV shows. And I just go to sleep. Cup of tea. Go to sleep. I got a two part question for you. Do it. <laughs> I have a question and a comment. No, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's like the worst thing. Like we got to have an episode about that. A question. We and have, a to comment. have like a whole section about that. A question yeah. and a comment. So uh, number one, did you buy new books? bedding because that is my favorite thing about a bed is bedding absolutely and i'm on the brooklyn and train so okay. i got some new brooklyn and, she, and i went usually I get like their basic like here's what we have i got a set of their Lux sateen sheet and okay it is i want to make a dress out of it like it is so if i could make a suit out of this, this yeah. sheeting i would it is so comfortable. Are you a, like, or do you do, because for me, I love a, the layers. So mm-hmm. are you like a duvet person? Do you oh. do like quilts and duvets or blankets and quilts? Oh my, I've got the whole, so I've got like seven pillows on my bed. Yes. They, they're my prop up pillows. Because I will be in, I, I'm, I know that the, the general, if you have any kind of sleep issues, doctors will usually tell you or sleep texts will usually tell you. Only get in your bed when you're ready to go to sleep. Not in this world. I'm in there watching TV. I'm like <laughs> reading books. The doctors like, are wrong. <laughs> the, doctor, the doctors are wrong on this one. I can't stay out of my bed. Like I can't just be like, and then my couch is fine. It's comfortable. I can't do it. So 
I have the whole setup. I've got the prop up pillows. I've got the nice sheets. I don't have a sham because I think those were gross. But I do have a duvet cover. And I, so I layer the sheets. And then I also have an afghan, a crocheted afghan that my grandma made for me. I was going to say, got to have that. Got to have that. Got to keep those thing. feet warm. <laughs> I love it. Well, then the other question I had was that I... So now that you go to bed so early, do you get up early? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's like... 100% of the time, I'm usually going to wake up at three o'clock, but I've had a full night's sleep at that point. Uh-huh. <laughs> so usually it's all bonkers to even say this out loud. I know I sound insane, but yeah, like I'll go to sleep at eight. Usually I will not see the clock turn to 830, essentially. Yeah. So I fall asleep sometime before 830. And then um, I'm usually up at three, sometimes four. Okay. And so that's usually, really early. It's really early, but since I'm now such a pro at sleep, I'll read for a half an hour and then just go right back to sleep wow. and then wake up again at like eight. So like my next eight. REM cycle. So I'm getting about 12 hours of sleep. A night. <laughs> That's he- that is heavenly. I am one of those people. I never thought I would love to wake up early. And now I love it, love it, love it. I love it. It's the secret of life. It is truly the secret of life because I'm like, Especially when you live in a place like L.A., if you are an early riser, you can literally do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like in this town, you could go to the yes. Target and park in like the first space at the very front and do all your shit. You can go hiking at Runyon and not be up there with like a 100,000 fucking people. You can like, you know, get exercise you can like breathe some fresh air before all the cars are out i mean it is amazing to wake up early some coyotes trotting down your street like it is truly another world out here in the morning yes and i just love it i love it now because i was the opposite for men like in my 20s obviously i went to bed at like six o'clock in the morning you know same but it was like it was a revelation for me i think too like when i was starting exercise and trying to do exercise like going in the morning it's like get that shit out of the way it's brilliant like i love waking up early i'm i'm i will always advocate for people to wake up early so me too and i there have been a couple a couple of the nights where i wake up at like three or four where usually i'll read which is great because i get some reading time in and i love that yeah but there have been times where i've worked and i've just gotten up and be like all right i'm gonna be up for a little bit and i'll you know write a couple of chapters of my next book or it is so lovely to be able to have quiet mental space when the world around you is also quiet yes i agree so i definitely am on this shit this is my this is the way i live now i'm going to bed at eight and my goal is to maybe start waking up at five or six naturally instead of waking up at three yeah a six i I usually do a 6 a.m if i could do earlier though man the world would truly be my oyster um i could go get oysters i could go i could go go with the fisherman yes i could be out on a boat four o'clock in the morning getting those oysters uh well bring us home what's what's your last quarantine thing that that you've done that's made your life better so we're going to talk about some more old people shit. Sorry about it. It's just what's going to happen. But I'll try to explain this in the in the best way I can. So I've always been a person that was never into like open toe or open heel shoes. I was like a whole foot covered person for so long. Uh, I think it's because I always lived in like major American cities where it's a hygiene thing. And, you know, I think it does come down to like 
how you feel about your feet. If you're not a foot person, if you don't want people to see your feet, or if you just in principle don't want to see other people's feet, then you are covering that whole foot up. But out of necessity, also just laziness, you know, I started like moving into some other things. When I moved to LA, I was like, okay, it gets hot here, right? So like, I need to wear a pair. I need to buy a pair of sandals, which means I need to start getting like pedicures regularly. And I've always been a pedicure person. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just sort of like now it's like the pedicure is there's a purpose for it. Right. So I decided. So once I got to showing the toes, like when I was like, Ooh, a sandal or like, a um, uh, a dance go like a open toe clog t- style. I was like, how much further can I go with this? Because now we're in quarantine, right? I don't want to walk around barefoot because it's this thing where I'm like, I feel like I need a structure to the day. And if I just like never put shoes on or never put on a slipper or something, then I'm, I'm feeling crazy. So I was like, well, I don't want to wear a full shoe, but I also don't want to be barefoot. So what's like the happy medium. And I was like, you know what is mules? And I I was like, (laughs) first of all, I was like, I didn't, I don't even think I really understood what a mule was. What it is for people unaware, it's like an open heel shoe. So it's the opposite of an, it's basically like the front part of the shoe is covered, but the heel is exposed. So it's kind of like a slip on a slide. I think they call them a slide. Is there a heel? the, The heel is open. But so I mean, like, like, like for height, is there like a heel? Yeah, there could be if you you can get like a heeled mule, like a you know a clog mule maybe. Um, but it started because I was like, I I want to be able to just put these shoes on, and maybe I'll start with like a Birkenstock. So I basically got a pair of Birkenstock mules and this like antique leather. It's not, it's not the, um, it's like an actual leather. It's not the uh, fuzzy one, whatever. Yeah. The, not, it's not velvet, but you know what I mean? Uh, suede or whatever. I think we got the same shoe. It's that like, uh, kind of like, like a brown new buck kind of kind of, but it's not dark. It's light. Yeah. I had, it took me forever to find it. I had to go on some like, crazy rich people resale website to find it because in my size too i was like i don't even know because i guess they don't really make them anymore but anyway i fucking love these shoes and because i feels like it's a little hippie but it's also a little like put together but it's also comfortable and i'm like okay why have i not fucked with open heel shoes in my life so and then after that it was like a wrap i got a pair of like LL Bean, like winter slipper mules. I got like some Crocs. I know what there's a very Crocs are very contentious, but I, I have a pair of Crocs for the outdoors in the garden type thing. Not in public. You've got a mule for every season and every event, every season, every event and every like purpose. Cause there's some mules you can wear out in public. And then the others it's like, are you just taking out the garbage? This is what you wear. So I've a, I am now a mule person and I'm like, huh, that shit has changed my quarantine game. And that's, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And your life, it seems like, like this is to be comfortable in your, in your shoe choice is paramount. That's why I like, I don't fuck with heels. I don't fuck with a lot of shoes because I refuse to be walking around on bloody stumps. I need the comfort. And here's the thing about what I will say about shoe shoe game from my experience right now we're seeing or we have i don't know if this is going out again but we 
over the past like year or two, I've seen a lot of like young people with plenty of our support and plenty and no plantar fasciitis issues. As far as I know, like <laughs> young people with perfect feet wearing like super orthopedic old yeah. people shoes that I got to wear and have been wearing forever. I started seeing Dansko clogs. So let me just tell you, I've been, this is not a flex, but I've been wearing Dansko clogs since college. Cause I just like, I like the clunky look, but also yeah. they're comfortable. I used to and work in were, restaurants. That's you know. the thing. They were the restaurant shoe for yes. ages. Yes. If you have to stand behind a bar for like nine hours, that's the shoe. And then all of a sudden I started seeing them in the streets, like people on Melrose, like wearing dance go clogs. And I was like, what the fuck? They're taking my shoe. They always bite the style. Yeah. The Birkenstock thing came back. Like a lot of that stuff came back. And then I was just sort of like, okay, I can't control it. It's Chinatown. If the kids want to start like ironically wearing orthopedic mommy aunt shoes like i wear then fine i guess i'll just be a trendsetter but um it's also a strange it was a strange moment of confluence because it was at the same time that a lot of very young people were like dyeing their hair gray so i'm like you're dyeing your hair gray (laughs) you're wearing orthopedic shoes and high-waisted jeans are back what is happening well (laughs) i I can't tell if i should be mad or not because i'm just sort of like well now you're in my territory and this is just like what we this is what age is is comfortable shoes and gray hair. And are you, should I be flattered? Should right. I be pissed? Like, I don't understand. So now, but now I'm in the mules and you know what? Thank God, because it, it really has like made my quarantine situation a little bit more bearable. So there you go. Excellent. Oh, this is so good. I know. I feel like it's, it's small things. It's simple things that make life worth living right now. And that's okay. Yeah. And honestly, like, I would love if you guys want to weigh in and tell us, like, yeah, what are you into? If you want to email us, it's I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. Just like come up with some stuff. Like if you're like, by the way, I'm into, you know, whatever this app or this thing or whatever gets you through. We'd love to hear it. I'm, I'm curious about that kind of stuff. Well, I hope you enjoyed our bonus episode. I'm so glad that, you know, you've decided to come check it out. And uh, thanks, Danielle, for revealing some interesting things about yourself. <laughs> Thank you for these 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 secret Millie lives that I'm so excited to dip into. I'm so I'm still <laughs> so fucking pissed about Henry Thomas, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> and he has the same cute face. He's got like the same little kid cute face that he's always had. Shut up. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Lauren Elizabeth Brown. Our engineer is Katie Levine. Our social media assistant is Taryn Matza. Our theme songs by Tom Bry Fogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at iSawPod. And please listen, subscribe, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. 